lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to the Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. This is the Steve Dace Show. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, both here with me as well. If you'd like to join me today, it's 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Steve Dace as well. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Don't forget my new book drops on December the 15th. Still time to get your pre-order in if you would like for A Nefarious Carol. It is the sequel, the novella sequel to my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which we are now turning into a movie. And you can go to Amazon.com and get your pre-order today. I want to thank all of you that have done that already to contribute to My Kids Christmas Fund. Hopefully, when you get the book and read it, you'll think it was a worthwhile investment on your end. Still time for you to get yours in as well. If you want to learn more about the book or get your pre-order, just check out my Amazon.com page. Just search for me there or a nefarious carol there, and it will pop right up. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. Next hour, it's our Monday Town Hall. It's our monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything edition. By now, you know the drill. Uh, I uh, give you the invitation for the questions on my Facebook page. I don't read any of your questions. Todd blindly selects, meaning keeps me in the blind about the questions he picks that we will be answering on the show. We do it each month, and it's usually the last Monday of the month, and we'll be doing that here coming up next hour. At the bottom of the hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader will join us to give his take on where things stand with the election with eight days to go. But before we get to all of that, we begin, as we usually do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the final full week in the race for the White House. Both the campaigns of Donald Trump and Joe Biden are beginning to make their closing pitches to America. I'm sick and tired of smart guys. We're looking at over 220 million Americans who just in the last several months died. Biden is the shutdown candidate. The Democrats are the shutdown party. They will shut down your jobs, shut down your schools, your businesses, your police departments, your energy. They'll shut down your freedom and they will shut down the greatest economic comeback in the history of our country. I'll work as hard for those who don't support me. As those who do, including those chumps with the microphone out there. Make America great again. Sounds simple, but isn't it beautiful? And that's what we've done. We have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I Somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But. Yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. Four more years of Georgia. Uh, Georgia, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected. I said, are you looking to get off oil? He said, yes, uh, we have to do that. I said, oh, you do. This is 
this is a big moment. And I said, I hope you're watching Texas and Pennsylvania. And and by the way, you don't have to worry about it quite as much. But you know what you do? You want to keep your gasoline down. You want to keep your heating bills down, right? He's not going to end fossil fuels. He's not going to end a lot of these industries from day one. But And we're giving you a great new Supreme Court justice, by the way. That'll take place on Monday. The Democrats are thrilled. The latest Real Clear Politics polling average of battleground states shows Joe Biden with a lead of 1.5 in Florida, 5.3 in Pennsylvania, 8.1 in Michigan, 5.4 in Wisconsin, 1.2 in North Carolina, and 2.4 in Arizona. The overall battleground state average for Biden is plus four. In 2016, eight days before the election, Clinton's average battleground lead was plus 3.5. A new YouGov survey shows Biden with a huge lead over Donald Trump amongst those who have already voted in battleground states, including an 87-9 lead in Pennsylvania. Also, betting odds for President Trump back in 2016 at this time implied around a 19% chance of Trump winning that election. Now, they're at 35%. Moving on, and in coronavirus fascism news, Anthony Fauci is still out there saying stuff. Do you think this is a good idea? Is this what a president of the United States would be helpful if they were doing, fighting for mask mandates? I think that would be a great idea to have everybody do it uniformly. One of the issues, though, you, I, I get the argument, say, well, if you mandate a mask, then you're going to have to enforce it and that'll create more of a problem. Well, if people are not wearing masks, then maybe we should be mandating it. In New York, police officers unlawfully entered an Orthodox Jew's property and chastised him for having too many friends over. We had a complaint about vehicle parking in the front. Then I look up and you have over 10 people in a crowd. So what? Now it's an issue, okay? What is the issue? Exactly. The issue is... In California, the tyrant governor Gavin Newsom has released new guidelines for how citizens of the People's Republic are to celebrate Thanksgiving. The restrictions say all gatherings must include no more than three households, must be held outside, must last for fewer than two hours, and attendees to Thanksgiving dinners must wear face masks. Daily Mail headline, has COVID killed off the flu? Influenza cases nosedive by 98% across the globe. As coronavirus panic is once again rising as cases rise across the country, Dr. Scott Atlas tweets, quote, reality, while we see more cases and hospitalizations in areas without prior infections, here is percentage of inpatients with COVID, under 6% still. That data, Atlas says, is from the Department of Health and Human Services. In other news, the New York Post is still locked out of their Twitter account for posting the story about Hunter Biden's overseas corruption scandal. CNN tweets, a right-wing offensive is underway to discredit social media companies just days before the election. The feminine hygiene product maker Tampax had a tweet from September go viral this weekend, which said, quote, fact, not all women have periods. Also fact, not all people with periods are women. Let's celebrate the diversity of all people who bleed. Thousands upon thousands of people gathered on the National Mall yesterday evening for an event called Let Us Worship, a faith-based musical event aimed at praying for the country and peacefully protesting COVID-19 restrictions. And finally, one of the best political shorts of all time. Trick or treat! Oh, what do we have here? <laughs> spooky, spooky, spooky. <laughs> Creepy. Creepy Uncle Joe. Oh, it's funny. It's Joe. <clears throat> Come on, man. Candy's for the kids. Well, maybe he forgot. Wait a minute. 
You, you look familiar. Who are you? Are we going to let her get away with this? She took everything. And that's what happened while we were away. You know, um, much of what we are trying to stop in this election is actually funded by corporate America. You've heard me talk about before. That is the biggest change that's happened in our electoral politics since I was a kid is we've seen corporate America go from right of center to largely um, not taking a position out of fear of angering either side to now much of it aggressively funds and promotes uh, the most leftist of left-wing agendas. So when you have a chance to do business with somebody that shares your values and, and won't demand that you take a substandard product in the process, take full advantage of it. And one area where you can do that is with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They share your values. They'll never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they don't send your hard-earned money to organizations that think we ought to be determined by whether we bleed or not. That That's how human beings should be classified bleeders um does everything that leftists redefine sound worse after they redefine them everything switching is easy keep your phone number bring your own phone or buy a new one and right now when you join their family of freedom loving americans you'll get a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code steve and hey veterans and first responders you save even more so make the switch today call them at 972 patriot that's 972 patriot or use that promo code steve uh, when you visit the website patriotmobile.com slash steve that's patriotmobile.com slash steve in the overtime today I put out a tweet this morning on what I think are the best case scenarios for conservatives in this election. And that is uh, the best case scenario uh, is that Trump wins next week. And then space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar. Second best scenario that if Trump loses a complete and total GOP wipeout. Wipeout. Terror, chloroform. We're, we're, we are terraforming. Best, probably can't get to another party. That's the closest possibility we have. Just wipe them out. And I'll get into why I think that, and then the panel can agree or disagree. That's coming up in the overtime today. At blazetv.com slash dace, and when you use the promo code Steve, by the way, when you go to Blaze TV to sign up, use the promo code Steve, you'll get the biggest discount we've ever offered between now and the election. $30 off an annual subscription. It'll cost you less than 6 bucks a day. Because we cannot guarantee any longer that you're just going to freely be able to see our stuff without joining the family and the network here. Just given what we're seeing right now, we can't guarantee that. And if they're censoring us this much to get to a Biden presidency, how do you think they're going to treat us after one gets underway? So that's why we want to give you the biggest incentive we ever have to join with us right now. Uh, blazetv.com use the promo code steve to sign up if you're not yet a subscriber cheapest discount we've ever offered less than six bucks a month promo code steve at blazetv.com if you're already a blaze tv subscriber go to blazetv.com slash dace and you'll get the overtime after we record it on demand following today's show so let's get to aaron's montage and there's a lot of election stuff in there 
And I want to go to the YouGov poll that Aaron pointed out from my tweet that shows Joe Biden has a fairly substantial lead in the early voting there. And Donald Trump has 9% of the early vote. Nine. That's not true. 100%. Bet my life on it, my kids' lives on it. 100% that's not true. Because it, it, it's not, it cannot be true. Any more than it's true that I'm the last son of Krypton. It cannot be true. First of all, so he's got three t- 300% more support among early voters in Michigan and Wisconsin than Pennsylvania. That's obviously not true. Number two, Pennsylvania is the most contested state in this year's election cycle. More time, energy, money going to be spent there than any other state probably. Could very well be the decisive state in the Electoral College. And the, the number one reason we are seeing these record numbers now, we've gone up to, I've, I've, last I've seen is 60 million people have voted early. The number one reason we're seeing these record, record numbers in the early voting is because Republicans are voting in record numbers in the early voting. I mean, you know this, if you're a Republican living in the state of Pennsylvania, can you guarantee you're going to be able to vote in person? Given who your governor is, given whatever your state health director is, whatever that is, I don't know. Insane would be the word I would use. So you're seeing the most aggressive push to vote early by Republicans ever. There's no way Trump has 9% of the early vote there in Pennsylvania. And if he did, then the YouGov poll saying that Biden's only going to win that state by 8, he's going to win it by 28. 28. 38. In fact, if, if, if one week before the election, if Donald Trump only has 9% of the early voting in Pennsylvania right now, if you're, if you're a Trump voter who has yet to vote in Pennsylvania, don't bother. It's pointless exercise. Which is exactly, I believe, the point of a poll like that. I want to make this clear what I'm about to say once more. Because I saw this on my Facebook page this morning. Again. So I apparently cannot issue this disclaimer enough. I am not arguing or debating for the next few minutes whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden is going to win the election. That's a separate conversation. I am talking about the models that are being shoved down our throats. And here is why this is so important. And what I'm about to say next, I think is, and I think we've said a lot of vitally important things on this show for the last year. We went way out on a limb questioning these models on the virus and got proven right. And now we're doing so with the election. Here's why, what I, here's, here's why this is important. And it's one of the most important things I think I have said all year long. What I'm about to say next. A culture that loses its epistemological foundations is lost at best and is ripe for the conquering at worst. What is epistemology? It's a fancy term for how do we know what we know is true? How would we know it's true? 
It has been now six months, folks. Six months since the CDC has published data on seroprevalence for coronavirus in America. Their last, well, they actually published it in July. They just did the studies in April, mid to late April. Now, we are told this is supposedly the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu. I was listening to a sports show today where the host was talking about trying to figure out how to heat his garage and the outside so that he could actually watch a football game with his family this year. That's the only place where they could properly social distance. We're being told, don't have people over for Thanksgiving. This is supposedly, therefore, serious, right? Don't you think you'd want to know who has antibodies and who doesn't? It's like one of the most important things to know in a pandemic. Because you need to know. How comprehensive has it spread? I don't know what the infection fatality rate for a pandemic is if I don't know the seroprevalence. I don't know what it is. And there's probably nothing more important to know about a pandemic other than the cure than the infection fatality rate. And we don't know what it is. In the most advanced civilization in the history of this species, we still cannot say on October 26th, what is the infection fatality rate for coronavirus in America? We still don't know because we don't have standardized antibody studies. And the CDC, as far as we know, hasn't done any in six months. And maybe they've done them and just not published them. Why wouldn't they do that? Why won't they put the Danish mask study up for peer review? Just trash it then. If it's trash, publish it in the New England Journal of Medicine and treat it like the pinata it is. Why won't they do that? See, what's happening here? I mean, those same YouGov polls have Trump winning independence in those three states and then losing them all. He might lose all three of those states. And frankly, if you asked me to predict today, I'd predict he would just because I think they'll just cheat their asses off. But I promise you, if he loses all three of those states, it's not going to be because he won independence in all those states, folks. That's not it's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. Any more than pi now is 3.17. E equals MC to the third power now. Water is now um, HTC. And it certainly seems like we've been smoking a lot of that recently. If you think Donald Trump only has 9% of the early vote in the state of Pennsylvania, then you have smoked crack recently with Hunter Biden. Or you're just a liar. It's one or the other. See, you have to understand, much of the news we are given today about what to do with the problems that confront us is based on one of two things. What do the polls say? What do the models say? 
And do the polls feedback loop the models or do the models feedback loop the polls? Yes. Does the dog wag its tail or does the tail wag the dog? Yes. Because this is really just about having a monopoly on the free flow of information. That's why the New York Post still doesn't have its Twitter account back. That's what this is about. Because whoever has control of the information in a culture has control. Has control. We did everything we did with this virus back in March because of these models. We then extended the stupidity of what we did in March for months because of the polls that said people wanted this because they were afraid of what the model said would happen to them if we didn't do this. Do you see where I'm going now? And it took how many months of people living this out in real time? I guess we can put the kids back in school. Teachers were doing die-ins all over this country in July. Now the New York Times is running stories. Schools aren't uh, aren't, aren't virus spreaders. We knew this for months. The New York Times did a cover story on me five years ago. They have quoted me dozens of times in their articles. They still call me. I just don't respond anymore. They are not unaware of my work. I promise you, someone at the New York Times saw me tweet data that schools were not spreader events for the virus six months ago, five months ago, four months ago. I promise you, that's true. The same thing is happening right now. And pointing this out, is even more important than who wins the next election. Here's why. Because if this works, if they can create models that then generate polling numbers that then allow them to determine what the outcome of events are before they even occur. If you think it is bad now, If you think what they did with these models to a Trump presidency is bad, what do you think they will do with these models with a Biden presidency? And if you think that they lied this entire time and censored people and banned them from social media to make sure they got the election result they wanted, what do you think they will do after they get said result? That's what's at stake here. This is a hell of a lot bigger than Donald Trump or the next election. Some of you aren't in church yet because of what I'm saying right now. And if they used these models and then these polls to shut your churches down physically, Why wouldn't they shut them down rhetorically? 
You know, it turns out the models say that there's an increase in deaths amongst a certain subsect of society if you preach this message openly in the community. And then we shared that knowledge with the American people, and the polls showed us that 75% of them don't want you to teach blankety-blank anymore from your pulpits or that that's a sin. So we we just can't have that. It's a danger to the public. The models and polls say so, don't you know? If they can just shut down your ability to share a story with the actual evidence of what Hunter Biden was doing, why would they let you for the next four years during a Biden presidency practice open dissent? Why would they do that? They'd have to be the dumbest authoritarians of all time. Spoiler alert, they're not going to, guys. They're not going to. They're not. That's what's at stake here. That's why I keep exposing these models. They're bad. At best, there's something else. At worst. I got a message from our good friend Daniel Horowitz this morning. A tweet from one of these Rubio GOP consultants who hates Trump. Too smart by a half guy. And he was looking at where the real clear politics polling average was eight days before the election. And in how accurate it turned out to be and how, therefore, Trump needs a lot more than a polling error to win, he said. I wrote back to Daniel, it's totally and completely irrelevant. Number one, his most recent example, Hillary Clinton, proves the fallacy of his entire assertion. Yeah, it was very accurate, as I've pointed out for the last four years. It was very accurate about what Hillary Clinton ended up with in the in, in the popular vote, correct? Yeah. She's been president for the last four years. She has not. So it doesn't even matter from the, from the outset then, does it? Forget, the, imagine this was a normal year. We didn't have all the models and everything else that we have exposed for the last 11 months on, or nine months on this show, right? Even in a normal year, what he published was a fallacy because the most recent example he is citing disproves his premise. It's a dumb take. It's stupid. Here's how smart I am by pointing out I'm dumb. I mean, look how accurate it was about Hillary. She's, um, she, she lost, dude. Because we don't have a national popular vote, bro. So, cool. Cool tweet, bro. Cool tweet. So even on its face, it's bad analysis. But now throw in, and I said this to Daniel, look at all the data manipulation we have seen this year. Where is our antibody study? Where's our updated seroprevalence? Since they did this in late April, we've had the Sunbelt wave. We had the Northern Plains, Midwestern waves. We brought the kids back to school. I think we might need some updated antibodies studies. I don't know, in six months of a pandemic, maybe? I'd a take them. Yeah, be nice to have that data. Why don't we? Why don't you have it? Why'd the flu disappear? I guess you don't need a flu vaccine. Like, we've seen like a 97% drop in flu cases or something in the, in the world. Why'd, why'd the flu disappear in America? Where'd it go? Things that make you go, hmm... Where did it go? 
Now, the level of data manipulation we have seen, frankly, it's satanic. I don't know another way to describe it. Now, that's a separate question about whether I think he will win or not. We'll get into that more with Bob Vanderplatz in a few minutes. But do not believe this data because it's not data. It's propaganda. I would take my credentials analyzing and studying data and my record doing so over the years. How do you think I've gotten away with all these really contrarian opinions? How do you think I got away with not supporting Republican nominees and, and then working in conservative media and advancing up the ranks? I'm just really good looking. I'm just that much more talented than everybody else. How did I get away with it, do you think? How did my career continue to escalate and ascend despite bucking a lot of the trends and conventional wisdom of a lot of my peers? How do you think that probably happened? Because I'm good at analyzing data and getting my facts straight. That's why. And I'm telling you, what you're seeing here is propaganda. Don't believe any of it. Propaganda maybe is a compliment. Demonic might be more accurate. I think we all know that both big tech and big government have the desire to silence dissent in common. So let's say you're a proud gun owner. You want to talk on social media about the right to keep and bear arms. Chances are your post gets flagged by a content moderator. You might end up on some kind of government watch list. Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch is getting censored right now on Twitter for pointing out that they're censoring his posts. They then censored that post. Okay, now again, you know, Tom Fitton, complete crackpot who was on C-SPAN for an hour on Friday. <laughs> okay. Um, to fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and big government, Take a look at ExpressVPN. Uh, see, the problem with big tech is they don't just attempt to censor you, but they also track what you do online, what you're searching for, the videos you watch, everything you click, and they can match your activity to your true identity by tracking your, your device's IP address. But when you use ExpressVPN, they cannot see your IP address at all. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. I've got ExpressVPN on this machine here in front of me on my phone to my left. All right. It's by far the best VPN out there. It was voted uh, number one by CNET, Wired, and countless other publications. It's easy to install in just minutes on all your devices as well. So stop letting big tech and big government censor and track you. Defend your privacy and protect yourself with ExpressVPN, V as in victory, expressvpn.com slash Steve. Go there and learn how to get three months for free when you go to expressvpn.com dot com slash steve three months for free at expressvpn.com slash steve let's bring in our good friend bob vanderplatz from the family leader good to see you my friend how are you i'm doing really well you must be doing well michigan wins you know it was fun having big 10 football back and you know friday in our overtime we do a best and worst of the week uh for our subscribers and Usually what is said in the overtime stays in the overtime, but I'll mention it to you here. I, I mentioned my worst of the week is I'm, I have really been struggling the last couple of months with anger. Like I get up in the morning and I'm like, Lord, send me one of these BLM mobs to my table, please, please. 
let this happen. Let, let them try this with me. Like I, 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 I want to fight bad. I'm, I'm beyond angry. I'm, and when I say beyond angry, I'm, I'm like, I'm in a seething level. I'm so angry and frustrated by what's happening around me um, that I just want to lash out. And um, I've really been struggling with it. And one of the uh, reasons I've been struggling with it is a lot of the outlets, you know, we all have our outlets. You know, I'm not a hunter. I'm not a fisher, you know, fisherman or any of that stuff. You so don't ride bike. I, I'm not a bike rider, you know. Um, um, I'm a workout guy, but I need a gym for the sure. way I work out. And a lot of the stuff that has been my outlets this year just so happen to be the things they took away. They took away, particularly going to movies, um, you know, watching uh, my favorite teams play football. Yeah. And we had our first weekend of Big Ten football this weekend. And I can't tell you. And sure, it helps that your team won, but just ha- spending the day watching all the local teams play, I-, I can't tell you the difference it made. Just the just how a lot of that energy I build up all week long having to be on the front lines of what's going on in our culture right now. Well, this and then trend, taking that home, it gave me an outlet to just expend a lot of that, if you know what I'm saying. So I, I, I came in here much more, um, uh, much less seething than I left here on Friday, I guess is what I'm saying. I was going to say this transparent expression of that explains some of our phone calls that we've had. <laughs> so I don't want to get into a counseling session here. Yeah. But you are right. It, there's some normalcy back. Uh, even though the stadiums are empty and all that, there just seemed to be some normalcy. And a little bit of like, I even care a little bit about college football. Like the NBA basketball. Yeah, they played. I didn't care. And I'm a basketball fan. Right. I just did not care who's playing type thing. Uh, but yeah, there's some normalcy back. And that's a that's a good thing. So I want to I want I want to get your take on something we're going to discuss in the overtime today. And then I want to I want to get your take on what you see as the environment in the final week here of the election. All right. So I want to ask you this because I know well, I shouldn't say I know. I'm assuming you're going to disagree with me. Get and, out and, of here. and 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 I want the audience to hear a different take. Okay, because they're gonna hear mine plenty, because my name's on the show. In, in my opinion, I think the best case scenario for conservatives in this election is for Trump to win. Now, what do I think is the second base scenario, second best scenario? Well, I think that one is number one by like light years, okay? I'm about to quote Kermit the Frog, space bar, space bar, space bar, but I'm gonna throw in two more space bars because that's how much I think that is by far the best case scenario. I, I think we are, we're going to fight nonprofits like yours, platforms like Blaze TV are going to fight to exist, I believe, in the next four years or to practically exist, meaning maybe they don't, they don't come, out, come after your 501c3 or anything of that nature, or they don't sick the FCC on the ability for the Blaze to, promote, to produce Blaze TV, but they come after us in a secondary way that they make it really difficult for your donors to stay uh, anonymous if they want mm-hmm. to. They make it very difficult for, for our content to reach anybody in, in the conduits that are primarily accessed in this day and age. So we're largely just talking to ourselves, right? It's, it's a shunning, but, mm-hmm. it's, but, it, but it's a way that I think they will, they will come after us. The second best scenario, I think, and I think it's way behind the first, right? But the second best scenario is to me, if Trump loses, then just a total GOP wipeout. Just 
chloroform the party. Get us the closest we can get to starting a third party. I think back to where Iowa was when I took over here on WHO back in 2007. And we had total democratic control of state government for the first time, I think, ever or like since Reconstruction or something like that. Um, There were 17 state senators out of 50. When I left, it was an even split. Uh, there was like 30, there's like 40 or barely 45 members of the Iowa house. When I left, they had a 60, 40 majority. We threw out three state Supreme court justices. We had the highest volume turnout for primaries ever. We saw 10 incumbents lose primaries in the years that, uh, I was on the air, which was the highest amount like that had ever happened in the Republican party. Meaning that that level of wipeout gave the grassroots a chance to assert itself for you to do things like win that judicial mm-hmm. uh, retention election, um, to build up the prominence of an organization like this. The environment was there because the wipeout freed us up to be honest with ourselves. Okay. The reality is, I think there's no point to Lindsey Graham being in the United States Senate if you don't have a President Trump. What, what, what good, first of all, what good has he been without, with him? Not much. So now he's going to subpoena the tech giants, but after the election when it doesn't matter. So to me, that this party was worthless before Trump, which is why a guy like Trump won the nomination in the first place. I think most people recognize this. So I think the next best scenario is that we just then just wipe these people out. Just just wipe them out and give us a chance over the next few years. And then also give the American people, hey, if, if mean tweets... Are, going to, are what's going to cause you to go gulag archipelago? Cool. Then take the whole black snake moan all the way down the throat, man. All the way down every last freaking inch. Make them, make them swallow it all. Don't stand in the way whatsoever. As a parent, sometimes you just have to get out of the way and let your children suffer the consequences for their actions. And so if mean tweets mean Marxism, mean tweets mean face burkas on your three-year-old's faces for the next few years, unless you find a way to win in court, then by golly, choke on it all. That's my position. Yeah, well, what you're saying is that sometimes what's best for you isn't always what you want. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking, well, that's what's best for you, because what we saw in Iowa, when you go back uh, to that time frame, which I remember, remember it very, very well, is that once in the minority, guess what? People got a lot more conservative. They started yelling and screaming and they started because when you're in the minority, you can be as bolster or and vocal as you want, because you know what? They're not going to pass it anyhow, but you got a lot more conservative. And because of that, all of a sudden the numbers went up and all of a sudden good things started to happen in Iowa. I, I do agree with that. Uh, Trump winning. Yeah, I, I really believe it. it's a big deal. And, you know, what happens a week from tomorrow? I still don't know. I think Trump's got the momentum. But I would definitely say Trump winning's a big deal. If Trump loses, I see where you're going with that. I would still take a, a Senate that would be at least a check in balance. What makes you think they would? Because one is that they lost the presidency and Pelosi's got the House. Now, you're going to say, well, look at the, the past couple, four years with Trump. No, they say, look, they, they gonna, didn't do I'm that. I'm going to say, look at the past couple, 25. Sure. Since the contract yeah. with America has been 25 yeah. years, I'm going to say, actually, look at the last 25 so, years. So my thing, Steve, would be is that I do know, this is a little bit like Hillary Clinton is did, did in 2016, when I voted for Trump, did I believe Trump was going to be the president he is today mm-hmm. and that he'd follow through on all those promises? I, no, I was hoping he would do some of that, but I, I didn't think he'd do all of that. 
But what I did know is I knew Hillary was going to do it. I think it's it might be a good emotional risk. I don't think it's a good logical risk to say, you know what? I'll take my bet with Schumer and with Pelosi and with Biden and Harris and let them run shop for a while. Because what the Republicans didn't do, what they should have done, I guarantee you the Democrats will. So so in my opinion, I'm going to finish. In my opinion, I think it's a fool's errand, a fool's errand to even give a hint to your audience that the Senate doesn't matter. It does matter. But you know what else matters? You, the people, matter. Hold your senators in check. Tell them to do their job. But I'm telling you what, you say, let them run carte blanche, that's a good thing. Then why the heck do I need Trump? To let the whole thing, because you know what? Nobody's perfect. So let them run carte blanche. I'm saying we're going to stand in the gap, and if Trump gets elected, great. Then have a Senate that can hold him in check as well at times. But you know what? If he doesn't win, I think you want a U.S. Senate. And if you don't, uh, let's hope we can come back in four years and say, you know what? I think we can win. The fact is, all of a sudden, you get the District of Columbia. You get Texas going blue. You get a lot of other things. It might be the world that we predicted for a long time that's coming your way. See, I, I don't disagree with that. First of all, that's why I wanted to ask you this question, because then you'd have a different take. So I wanted our audience to hear it. I think that Trump is the only reason those things are not happening. Everything good that has occurred in the last four years was was never going to happen without, without him. And and I, I'm, dude, go back in a DeLorean and find Steve Dace at this time four years ago and tell him he was going to be saying these things. Oh, I, and I would have totally never guessed get it. it. But I react to what happens in real time. I live by data. So I would argue that I'm actually making a very logical assertion. I watched these guys vote over 50 times to repeal Obamacare, then given total power to do so and didn't do it. All right. This is a pro-amnesty party. It was heading and trending heavily in that direction. It was trying to actually um, depose people who were anti-amnesty as racists. Remember the way the Rubio people went after Heritage Foundation as xenophobes. Okay. The only who stopped that angle from happening. Trump. Okay, this was a pro-China, pro-corporatist party who stopped that happening, Trump. The reality is anything good that happens would not have happened without him. So if he's not there, I don't know why you wouldn't just assume they'd go back to being. Well, first of all, the funny part about this is I think you and I will both agree on this. The whole point of this argument is largely moot because if Trump wins, there's no way there's going to be or loses. There's no way there's going to be a Republican Senate. Right. 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 So, I mean, if, if, if Trump loses, that means Cory Gardner gone. That means Joni Ernst is gone. Right, so if Trump loses, you're, you won't have a Republican Senate. I think it's possible you get to 50 50, but then you would have Kamala Harris as the decided, decisive vote. So a good portion of this argument is probably a moot point, but it does go to ultimately the fact that it can even if I would have said such a thing a few years ago, my entire Twitter account would have been people coming back at me as hard as you just did. Mm-hmm. Now it's really only a few people. And I think it's and it's no nobody in my peer group. Like nobody, nobody in conservative media will step to me on this. Because because even if they think I'm wrong, you don't want to be caught dead having the argument in front of our base defending these people because they're largely indefensible. The fact that we can even have this argument politely, I think, indicates why it's why Trump winning is important. And there really is no close second option for the best case outcome. I I think you're right. There's no because Trump also emboldens that party to do things they otherwise would not do. And so if you have control of the Senate, he might get some other things done. 
like getting three justices through, like changing the rules to make sure that we can we can have these conversations. We can get a justice, Amy Coney Barrett tonight. I think the big thing is that if Trump loses and say you lose the Senate is what does the new version of Republicans come to be? Because they're going to say, look at look what Trump did. And because Trump did this, we didn't secure the White House again in reelection. And we lost a U.S. Senate. Does that mean they come out and they go, we got to be more like them? That's exactly. We, well, you know what? They're, they're, they're going to do that. We saw this in 2012 with the autopsy. Yeah. Right? So, so, what, so well, you know they're going to do yeah. that. that. That's who this party yeah. is. Uh, like guys like Steve Hilton, who we really like. Um, Tucker's ratings are too high in prime time. But like the new direction, like Laura Ingram and people like that on Fox might want to update your resumes if Trump loses. Because the 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 consultant wing of the party that's largely ran Fox News for how many years, they're gonna they're gonna reassert themselves and say Laura Ingram, Steve Hilton, Judge uh, G, is it is it Judy or Janine? Janine, Janine. Pirro. G, yeah, 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 Janine Pirro. These people don't need to be on the air. There's no audience for this. There, you know, um, Hannity has shown he'll just he'll he'll go whatever direction is the current. Uh, you know, he went from McCain apologist to endorsing Romney to now you know uh, Trump nationalist. I mean, Hannity will just do history has shown whichever way the prevailing wind is going that is where sean will go but you'll see fox get rid of a lot of those people i believe so just like so just like trump if he loses uh he will have a fall guy or two to say this is why i lost okay and we know that's going to be the case but the same way if trump loses and we lose the u.s senate i guarantee that republican party is going to look for a fall guy and that fall guy is probably going to be named donald trump like if we wouldn't have done this, if we wouldn't have done that, if we, so what I'm saying is that what's the new version going to look like? Well, and if it gets course, restarted, you know, the, the, and you, you know what, we're almost out of time, so yeah. I'll give you the last word. Finish your thought. Go ahead. No, no, I, I just think that's going to be the key. So the best case scenario is Trump wins, and I think if Trump wins, I think the most likely scenario is you're going to have a Republican Senate. I would agree with that. If yep. Trump loses, it's going to be gone. So I think the big thing, what we're telling our base, mobilize them, get out, have an impact, make your vote be heard. So that a week from Wednesday, we're not having the conversation of, oh, my gosh, now what happens? Good stuff, man. All, All right. To see you, brother. Thank you. All right. Are you here next week? I am here next week. All right. So we'll put you on the record. I'm not making any election predictions until I see what is trending the final couple days of the election. Because I, I think the thing is that volatile. I do. I agree with you. Like, I think if I do think if the election were today, I think Trump would win, actually. But. I don't know what the headlines are going to be in four or five days. And I think this thing is that volatile. I agree with you. All right, we'll come back. It is our weekly Monday Town Hall, monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything edition. I always look forward to this every month. We'll get to that here with Hour 2 in a moment. Stay tuned. And we are back live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Want to give you guys a heads up, by the way, uh, if you're one of our Parlor followers there. Next week, as a thank you to you and to prepare, for the looming possibility, if not likelihood, that we're all going to end up there here in the next calendar year. Um, Parlor is going to be given next Monday for our town hall the exclusive election Ask Me Anything for our Monday town hall next week, just with our Parlor users. So 
Shout out to all of you on Parlor. Uh, check out our new YouTube channel until they shut that down. I'm guessing youtube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can go for that as well. Hey, what does COVID have to do with potentially losing your home? Turns out that it could be a lot. Cybercrime has skyrocketed this year, up about 75% according to the feds. And here's why that matters with your where your home is concerned. Because online is where a lot of our home titles are also kept. Cybercriminals know this. And they go online, forge your signature on a quick claim deed, and then refile as the new owner. And before you know it, they are liquidating your asset. They're taking advantage of your equity, taking out loans on your home. You may not even find out about this until you go to get that HELOC or you go uh, to sell your home or to refinance it or the late payment notices or eviction foreclosure notices show up in the mail. So what to do? Well, that's where Home Title Lock comes in. They will put a virtual barrier around your home's title the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever. They will mobilize to put it down, but first things first. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't yet know it at HomeTitleLock.com. And then if you'd like, use the promo code RADIO to get 30 free days of protection using the promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to it. It is our Monday Town Hall. It's our monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything edition. Of course, I'm going to answer these questions in the blind. I have no idea what you selected, Todd. So I always look forward to taking these off the top of my head. Spontaneous, snotty questions are always the best. Aaron, you may fire when ready. And we have some breaking news as well as we get started here. Uh, They found water on the moon. Anyway... First question comes from Leslie. That's true, by the way. Leslie Reed McIntosh, who says, I really want to know when they make Christians criminals, do we let them throw us in jail, take away our children, cut off our heads with only the resistance of the word God gives us? Or do we defend with everything we already have at our disposal? I always said I wouldn't let them lead my family to slaughter like they did to the Jews. But based on the last days, I don't know that my ideas of fighting back are biblical, please help. Can I just say that I wake up this morning early, you know, get the ball rolling along with my wife, getting the kids out of bed, make the coffee, turn on my computer, get to work doing this. That's the very first question I see. I did not have to go through a single one to get to that one. I was like, this is the kind of day it's going to be. Why did you pick this question? Because... There's people increasingly thinking that this is the reality that is way beyond theoretical. Historically, they know people have made the, uh, had to make these choices, but uh, they they're honestly feel that. And when I think that's, I think that's way more honest than the when are we at the bottom of the slippery slope? You know, that's I get exhausted by this level of sentiment when the, mm-hmm. we talk about in politics and you and Bob are kind of talking about that you know there's nothing aspirational but this even go this dials that up to 11 there, when when it is utterly in burn at the stake mode and we know there there's people now i mean i was just watching a video of a bunch of guys came up to a cop car I don't know if you've seen this, and I don't have the full context because I haven't heard it on an audio. They just go up to a cop sitting in his car, and they just start beating on the cop car. And the cop sits in there, presumably because at this point, uh, these two should be shot. But And these are white guys, too. They're not... 
they should be shot, but I, I'm not going to shoot them because I'm not going to jail at this rate. So I'm just going to let them beat on this cop car and I'll call in some reinforcements and maybe they'll just go away. People have seen this for months on end. Well, um, Leslie, the short answer to your question is I don't know. <laughs> and at different points in the history of Christendom, we have had different answers to when cataclysmic uh, moments like this occur. All right, we have those who went into martyrdom. Now, did they go into martyrdom because they were they they were called to do so, or because they had no means by which to defend themselves? Right. Um, and then we've had other circumstances where we didn't do those things, and there were times that we did fight for our way of life that started out noble and didn't end. Um, with the with the most righteous of outcomes, and of course that one example that you would point to where that's concerned would be the Crusades. Um, and then there are times when you know, like after the Protestant Reformation, for example, the Church split on this question. This is where. Um, groups that became known, they were known at the time as Anabaptists, but we know them today as Mennonites and Quakers. Uh, they had different views on this. It was one of the most contentious points in the final negotiation with the 13 colonies about whether to declare independence, which meant to declare war, basically, against the British crown. And what about those who came up like in places like Pennsylvania uh, in Quaker Mennonite Anabaptist traditions who didn't think that that was the place for the believer to concern themselves with those kinds of worldly pursuits uh, of citizenship and things of that nature to that extent anyway, that our kingdom was from, was, you know, was from a, uh, represented another world, a new heaven and a new earth. So um, I don't know the answer to your question and I don't think I'm qualified to answer it. I don't. Um, If you ask me my personal opinion, I'm not wired to lay down, but that doesn't mean that it's righteous. I'm not. My, my personal view is that we are in the times of Nehemiah 13, but if you have a view that says, hey, because of what we're doing, because of how terrible it has gotten, there is no way we can engage without sullying ourselves i won't disagree i'm not sure the monastic era is like the shining example of uh in the history of christendom myself but maybe you have a different view of that okay um but i think it's also important to note that when when the apostles were martyred for example we don't have a record of them, not at least not a biblical record. Now, maybe this is where I would defer to my Catholic friend with his more, um, his deeper knowledge of tradition and having more access to it than I do. But, you know, we know Peter was married, for example. Correct. Not, we know he was crucified upside down, that he just let them, like, rape his wife, throw her in prison, beat her up. I mean, do we, do we know what the apostles did? I mean, they were often on their own 
on apostolic crusades, right? But mm-hmm. do we have any record of what they did when, if and when their own loved ones were threatened by not, mobs and things of that nature? Not that I know of. Okay, I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know. So, because the scriptures are also very clear about defending the defenseless um, and things of that nature. So, I, I think it's terrible that maybe we're even having this conversation and think that it's maybe a, a, a point to even consider. But history has shown when a culture entertains the notions that this one is, if those notions win the day, then the questions you're asking, Leslie, are the next conversation that that culture has. That's my answer. Next, we'll go to Jennifer Kraft Payne, who says, Are you still going to Disney this year? Their mask mandate is even worse than Chicago. Just returned. All the minutes added together from the start of the pandemic is less than the amount of time I had to wear a mask on the three days in Disney. We are going right after the election, and we are looking forward to it. Yes. Randy Hoxbergen says, True or false, on November 3rd, I will be turned away from my polling place for not wearing a mask. Where does he live? I think that I need to know that to answer that question. Now, California is saying that it's not going to turn people away for not wearing a mask. (coughs) Pardon me. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think I'd need to know where you live to answer that question. Don't I? I don't think it's a universal yes or no. No. It's not. I, I think. Um, <laughs> but I think it's possible anywhere. Do I? Th- Here's another way of answering your question. How many people do you think are going to vote for Joe Biden that aren't going to be voluntarily wearing a mask? That's a really if they, low if they number. Go, if they go to vote in person, right? Sure. So. Go back to the state we talked about last hour, Pennsylvania. If you show up in Pennsylvania at a polling site without a mask, that's probably a lean on how you're voting, right? I mean, if I'm going to cheat anyway, now you've just given me an excuse to not count your vote, not let you vote. Well, you know, we got to wear masks here. It's not safe. Look at these long lines, these masses of people. So... You know, you played yourself like it would be a way of revealing your vote. The fact, again, though, that we're even having this conversation is why entertaining Leslie's question from the outset is not premature. Because this is. This is the big fear that I have. Is that. The spirit of the age propelling the American left can't stop, won't stop. And that we largely, except for voting Republican or listening to Rush or Glenn or Mark and buying our books, we've largely not done anything substantive to push back on it for how many years, right? Yeah. Those were our answers. Just buy another great book by those guys or listen to their shows or vote GOP, right? Yeah. And other than that, we haven't. And, and then we just trusted the people that we would vote for would push back on them. They never did. 
They never politically punished them on any level whatsoever. When I say that, by the way, let me give you an example of what I mean. It's, it's, um, it's our governor saying, if you don't put the kids in school, we take your funding away and you don't play sports. So make the choice you want, but you're going to be punished for, 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 for practicing junk science and voodoo on your constituents. You'll be punished for it. It's Greg Abbott who's had an awful year as governor. Awful. Um, but, but I'll give you one positive example from him. It's him saying we're going to defund cities that declare themselves. So the San Antonio City Council is known for being nuts down there. And when they said they were going to declare themselves... Um, a uh, a sanctuary city. He said, cool, you can do that. I'll just make sure all of your property tax levies, revenues, aren't distributed to the city of San Antonio. So enjoy your illegals, but you're not getting, we're not subsidizing that. That's what I mean. There must be punishment. See, when we elect a bunch of Republicans, but then they don't punish our opponents, nobody learns a lesson without punishment. There's no Resurrection Sunday without Good Friday. There has to be a cost. And all these years, we've elected all these Republicans, and there was really no cost to leftists if they won. Every now and then, we would get there would be affirmative action on policies that leftists don't agree with. But when did they undo the stuff that the leftists had already done? See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so maybe we slowed the rate of growth of the left. But did we, did they ever take a hit? Did they go back? Did they lose the progress that they had that they had gained? No. No. On nothing. And in recent history, when we thought it was near inevitable, Obamacare Yes. I mean, right, that yes. was yesterday. Yeah, I mean, right, we just saw the Republicans lose the House because Paul Ryan's House refused to actually repeal Obamacare because they thought it was politically toxic. They ended up losing 40 House seats, and now we've turned Obamacare into a positive campaign issue. Where now Trump has to make a, go on a long, winding explanation. We're only repealing the individual mandate. All the other things will remain... Obamacare decimated the Democratic Party, folks. They lost over a thousand elected offices after enacting Obamacare nationwide. It decimated them. When Trump took over in January of 2017, there were the lowest number of Democrats in elected office in America since before the Great Depression. Obamacare decimated the Democratic Party. Now they feel safe to just run on it and discuss it openly. I mean, Joe Biden is Joe Biden said in the last debate. My health care plan is Obamacare with the public option. Do you remember the public option? The point of the public option was to destabilize the health insurance industry. To have government offer a cheaper option than the market could bear. So then companies would just say, well, hey, just go buy the, the public option on your own. I'm not providing you health insurance anymore. That was the point of it. And everybody knew it. And they couldn't get Obamacare passed, even with Democrats. They had 60 Democrats in the Senate. Filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. They couldn't get Obamacare passed with the public option because everybody knew that it meant getting rid of private health insurance. 
by having government compete directly with private health insurance carriers in the marketplace. Well, when your competition can print their own money, change the, the coverages by law, can you win that competition? No. Because can a private corporation print their own money, change by law what, it, what it's mandated to cover and not? Of course not. So they couldn't get Obamacare passed with the public option, even with an overwhelming majority of Democrats. Now Joe Biden, 10 years later, is running for president on, my health care plan is the one that cost my party 1,000 elected officials and plus the public option that not even Obama could get through a 60 filibuster-proof Democratic Senate. They just run at it openly now. This goes to the argument I was having with Bob last hour that we're going to have in the overtime. So, <sighs> I forgot where we were because we went on the Obamacare rabbit trail, but... Um, we don't when we win elections the other side we're, what was the conversation we just had if they win subscribe to Blaze TV now who knows if you'll be able to watch get active, we'll be able to link to it on Facebook in, a, in six months or a year right mm-hmm. any fear of that if Trump wins like anybody that's like a reader of the Young Turks or watches them on YouTube do, do they think that if Trump wins, they won't be on YouTube anymore? Think that? No. no. Don't have any concern about that. That's what I mean. The other side's never been punished for losing an election. And so therefore, they've never been incentivized to not go there. Not go there. So they're just going to willfully go there. And that now I'm reminded of what I was talking about. That's my fear is since they've never been punished for losing an election, only delayed, they can just go there with impunity. And we have largely put up with it, but they're now pushing us to a place where we can't. It's not that I won't, I can't. You're, you're, you're just, these are, I can't live the way you want me to live. So I guess I've got a gun. Let's roll. I can't That's live the way you demand fear. me to live. Yeah. Yes, I can't live the way you're demanding me to live. Teach my kids there aren't women. Only bleeders. I can't live that way. I can't do it. And I guess voting doesn't matter. Even if you count my vote now. But I do own a gun. And everybody who thinks like me owns guns. So see out front. That's my fear. And I think we're heading there, guys. And I'm worried about that. Up next, Mendy Wax says, after what went on here in New York City this weekend, I'm more convinced that we are in a semi-hot civil war. The other side isn't interested in reconciliation. They're only interested in destroying our side. As someone who is planning to leave the state where I've lived my entire life, do we just write it off? Or is there a point to moving to a more conservative part of the state? Or as conservatives, do we try to swell the ranks of the red states and completely upset the current legislative structure based on current state populations? Imagine New York losing two to three House seats and Florida or Texas gaining, etc. I, I think you're... you're far better off and if trump loses we're we're getting ahead of ourselves this is but this is one of the conversations i'm planning on us having if trump loses 
that there's no point really to a swing state. And hey, I guess if we can all work from home now, like COVID taught us, right? Get up and move. There there comes a point in time where you kick the dust off your sandals and move on. Where you flee to Petra. Get out of a state like New York. Move to a state like South Dakota. Create a dozen or so states that are hard right. High gun ownership. And you're essentially a wedge against where these leftists want to take us. It is simply not realistic in the demographics of New York. Anytime soon, you're going to be able to overcome those. It's just not realistic. What, 16 million people live in New York City. 20 million live in the, in the state in total. Which means if you don't live within one of those five boroughs, your voice is largely irrelevant. And then if you do, you're just outnumbered. I mean, their last two candidates for mayor were a former member of the Sandinistas, who's the current mayor, and I believe the a lesbian. I think those were their two finalists for the last mayoral election they had. Get out. There's no point to live in there. Move on. Kick the dust off your sandals and move on to the next town. Don't just sit there and beat the drum over and over again. They've made their choices. It ain't like it ain't like Andrew Cuomo's hiding it. This isn't like the 80s or 90s. They're just like openly giving each other standing ovations now for passing bills in their legislature, killing babies at live birth. Out. Get out. What are you doing there? I, I don't that I don't understand. There's like nowhere else to work, nowhere else to live. And I know we got friends like our friend Shannon. Get the hell out. What are you doing there? Don't have hospitals in South Dakota. You're you're a doctor. You're a lawyer. Nobody needs a lawyer in South Dakota. Nobody needs one in Iowa. Really? I think we have to seriously contemplate that because here's the other problem we have. You've got these people that are leaving these blue states and then going to a place like Texas and then voting for the same politicians that they just they just fled. Because just like just like GOP consultants lied to us for years that there was a mass block of voters who wanted um, a judge who was good on the Chevron doctrine, but was pro Roe v. Wade and that they wanted uh, really streamlined libertarian government, but Sodom and Gomorrah and that voter doesn't exist. On the other side, they're lying to themselves too. Well, hey, I, we can, we can uh, you know, have uh, the, the rainbow jihad and, um, you know, I don't have my, to have regulations and income taxes killing my business. No, you can't. And so they just move to your state like Texas and they just vote for Beto. When they could have just voted for Beto in California. Right? That's we see that going on as well. I, yes. I I think if Trump loses, we need to have a hard conversation about creating a wedge region of the country and high gun ownership. And it's just unthinkable that somebody with these viewpoints would even attempt to win any meaningful office. Cannot happen. And we're just gonna stand up in mass and we're just gonna exempt ourselves from what what the federal government is doing. If Trump loses, this is going to happen organically to some degree. Because what you're going to see is if you thought people like Ron DeSantis and Christy Noem who want to run for president, 
if you thought what they were doing to push back on the corona fascism was something now. Wait till you see what they'll do next year with Anthony Fauci giving a bazooka and a national mask mandate and everything else. They're, they're going to go all the way with it. And then if you think governors like Brian Kemp in Georgia and Kim Reynolds here in Iowa, who also did very good jobs in consideration with their peers in navigating this, they're going to go even further. And then they're going to be joined by other Republican governors. So you're going to see guys like Doug Ducey in Arizona going to finally discover he's got at least one ball. And who knows what's going to happen down in Texas to Greg Abbott. I had somebody who knows Texas politics tell me that they were thankful that the state that Houston canceled, the city of Houston canceled the GOP convention back in, I think it was July, after Greg Abbott issued his outdoor mask mandate because he would have gotten booed off the stage. He said he told me that he'd just never seen the grassroots as angry as they were in Texas as they are right now at Greg Abbott. So if there won't be Greg, there won't be like Greg Abbott type of governors in the GOP of Biden wins. goes back to what Bob just said last hour. Remember how conservative they were? How many times they voted to repeal Obamacare until they had the chance to do it, right? A lot of these people want to run for president. And you're going to see those red state governors are really going to push back on this. And that will be kind of a opening salvo proto version of what I am describing a massive fault line lines up in the country. So up next, we've got uh, Chris Eller who says win or lose what's next for America's mainstream media. They've lost all credibility, but are making more money than ever. Most are owned by corporations that are more concerned about their market in China than truth and reporting. Well, you answered your question, Chris, maybe unwittingly. They aren't operating in the same market that you and I are. So they don't care. They don't care. Some of you have asked me, hey, what would it take for me to abandon the NFL? It would have to be where they were at the point that an enemy country was one of their primary revenue streams so that they didn't have to listen to us at all. That's what the NBA has, right? Mm-hmm. The NFL doesn't have that. That's why, they're, that's why they're all in on Colin Kaepernick and then they're not. That's why week one, there's all these social justice messages and now there's not. You know what I'm saying? Because the NFL's clientele is still largely people like us. Now it's funded, is large, funders, as you mentioned, Chris, as I've pointed out, is largely corporate America. So they're, 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 they're double-minded. They have, they have their revenue streams to please. The NFL is like the Republican Party. Its donor class is way to the left of us, but its clientele is way to the right of its donor class. And so it's the double-minded man unstable in all of its ways. That's what Team GOP is. Um, but that's what it would take, is, is if the NFL developed a huge relationship with a country like China or Iran, and then just decided, hey, we're making enough money now off Iranian oil. We just openly insult America and not care about any of your people or what your voice is. That would be my tap out. That's what's happened with the NBA. And that's why Nike didn't pay a huge price for lining up with the cops or pigs, guys. Any shoe you buy of theirs is gravy. They're playing in a different market. We don't really have as much leverage with these people as we think. That's why we need to leverage the people we have leverage with. Stop trying to pressure Nike. Pressure your Republican governor, your Republican senator. See what I'm saying? Like the great prophet Hayden Fry, old Iowa football coach, used to say, scratch where it itches. 
You're not pressuring Wells Fargo. Pressure your Republican governor. Put the pressure on those you have leverage with. Stop worrying about boycotting and leveraging people you have no pressure on. You can't leverage. It's a fool's errand, as Bob said last hour, talking about me. <laughs> it's, it, 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 has, it will accomplish nothing. You'll exert a lot of energy and accomplish nothing. Sound and fury signifying nothing. Put the pressure where, apply it where it can be felt. And so they won't lose any credibility if Trump wins again. Because they don't have any with people like you and I already. The question is, at what point will we stop letting them inject their poison into our bloodstreams and come up with our own alternative news gathering organizations? That's the real question. Our own alternative markets. Not a market to counter theirs, but a market that is separate, wholly from theirs. More in a moment. While we're on the topic of elections, we're getting some early exit polls in from the early returns on Built Bar, and the early returns overwhelmingly are good, and I'm not surprised. The reason why I'm enthusiastically endorsing this product, after having uh, put down a good deal of money on buying about a half dozen boxes even before they came on board, is because I've tried it, and it's one of the best products I've come into contact with in the past few years. All the protein you're looking for, all the taste you're looking for, all the chocolate you're looking for. But without all that sugar, all those calories, and the the chalky aftertaste, and then the tummy issues afterwards, none of that with Built Bar. Over 18 flavors, all covered in chocolate, wide variety of flavors, and they all absolutely taste great. Trust me, you will not regret this. Right, this is an outstanding snack. It's an outstanding meal, food, etc. I'm just a huge fan, a huge fan of Built Bar. So I want to make you a fan. So here's how we're going to do that. Go to Built Bar, like, you know, you didn't built that. <laughs> BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T. BuiltBar.com, use the promo code DACE. Get 20% off your first order to get you started. I promise you won't regret it. Get the variety one and try a multitude of their different flavors, all right? Promo code DACE for 20% off your first box, only place you can get them at builtbar.com, best protein bar ever invented. At builtbar.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's get back to our monthly Facebook Ask Me Anything here for the Monday Town Hall. Aaron. We'll go next to Jordan Calevera, who says, what advantage could Trump have thought existed for not firing Fauci at any point between about now, or between June and now? You know, what's fascinating is in years when it's perceived the Republican candidates are on the defensive, I will often be told by the smart set, well, we can't run on that, Steve. We can't talk about those issues, Steve. It's not our friendly environment. We need to look like we're more to the middle. We need to be more friendly, blah, 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 blah. And then like late, will they will attempt to like run on some of those issues when it's already too late. Now, the one exception to this was Romney. He didn't do that. He actually ran pro-choice television ads in like five states and then lost them all. <laughs> right? um, and what do I mean by pro-choice television ads? A woman, women would come on the screen and literally say, Romney is no threat to ending abortion. I don't know what you're, why you're all or overturning Roe v. Wade. Vote for Romney. Well, then you just told me not to vote for him. 
Because if I'm if I'm concerned about overturning Roe versus Wade, chances are I was probably never voting for Mitt Romney in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, now you're seeing Trump run on the stuff we have, I have begged, screamed, yelled, pleaded, prayed for them to run on for the last how many moons? Now they're doing it. And it wasn't because it wasn't smart to do it months ago. I mean, guys, if it's smart to run on reopening the country in the final days before the election, then doesn't that mean it would have been smart to run on reopening the country a month ago, two months ago, three months ago? So I can't answer your question, brother. It's why I've said all year long, if Trump doesn't win, chicanery aside, and we can't be responsible for the lies and cheating the other party in the equation does. We can be responsible for not holding them accountable for it. We can be responsible for that. But we're not making them to do those things. They do them of their own volition. You be responsible for the things that you can control. Because at the very least, if you had fired Fauci's ass five months ago, yeah, there would have been wailing and gnashing of teeth. Like there's wailing and gnashing of teeth every time Donald Trump defies conventional wisdom. And then uh, water on the moon, squirrel, what's an Anthony Fauci? Would have forgotten in three days. Should have done it. Didn't. You still got Debbie Burks going around the country preaching lockdowns. Bedazzle your mask at home. She's still doing it as we speak right now. It's like your job. Yeah. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I learned I can't want a candidate to win more than they do. That's I've, I've learned that. I don't, I don't know what to tell you about that. Because the thing that Donald Trump will have to take responsibility for, really it's two things, if he loses. He unnecessarily annoyed and angered too many people. Unnecessarily. Didn't have to do it. Second thing is he surrendered his presidency for four months in an election year to the quack duo of Fauci Burks and then just ultimately could not recover from it. Tried to have both sides. Lock, I saved a bunch of people by locking it down, but lockdowns are bad. Can't ever do them again. Doesn't make any sense. If lockdowns saved a whole bunch of people, why wouldn't we do them again? Right? All right. Right. So it doesn't make any sense. The way to answer that question is what Scott Atlas said in our show last week when I asked him that. Hey, did lockdowns work anywhere in the world? Now, why do you think I asked him that that way? Because we did one here. <laughs> I wanted to hear what he said. He said, hey, I can see why you would do a lockdown temporarily to make sure your healthcare system is... I mean, the whole rationale for 15 days to flatten the curve. Do you remember I, there was somebody, you know, he's, I, modest looking dude, probably just above average, Charming when he wants to be, smart as a tack, who suggested, and I know the guy well, suggested, you know, three, four, five months ago, that Trump should go out, declare victory that the lockdown worked, we flattened the curve, we saved our healthcare system, thank you America, we, we flattened the curve, now we'll do our best to mitigate the most vulnerable, open up the country. That dude, I like that dude. His name rhymes. His name rhymes with uh, uh, Mace. Suggested that frequently, as I recall. Do you guys remember that guy? A couple of times. A couple of times. And it was funny when I asked Scott Atlas last week, "Hey, when do lock, have lockdowns ever worked?" You know what he articulated? Is an answer exactly what that uh, sounds like. Mace guy thought that uh, the White House should have done all spring and summer long. Yeah. Every once in a while, that Mace guy 
when everybody else is zigging and he's zagging, every once in a while, he was right to zag. Trump, if he loses, it's because he unnecessarily annoyed too many people, but even more so. Because he was unnecessarily annoying people before March 11, we thought him winning re-election was a shoe-in, right? Mm-hmm. Was he unnecessarily annoying people back then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he unnecessarily annoying people in 2016 when he won that election? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the number one reason why is he surrendered his presidency to Fauci Burks. And then, even after moving on, took too long to get to the place he's at right now. Took too long. He was never going to win if it's about carrying. He cannot win. He cannot win. That's not an environment that's friendly to him. If it's about how can we safely get our lives back, that's the environment friendly to him. And he could have done a lot to forge that environment and move it forward. He passed on it for many, many months. And so here we are now hoping it's not too late. Next, we have Jason Irwin, who says it can only be assumed that this is Rush Limbaugh's last election. What will AM radio look like? Who can fill this void? Seems like he alone was large enough to overcome the constant boycotts and advertisers leaving. I think your last part there, Jason, is vital. I think first and foremost, and, you know, at different times in my career, I was at odds with Rush. You know, I was on, I was on WHO and... Uh, you know, he was trouncing Huckabee every day for the three hours before I came on after him. And then I had a totally different narrative. And it was weird for me because this is one of my idols growing up. But the reality also is none of us, none of us board up at a conservative radio station in Piscataway or you work for one of the largest conservative media platforms in the country like we do. None of us in this thing called conservative media, no matter where you're at on the totem pole. None of us have our jobs without what Rush did and his success. None of us do. And we owe him an eternal debt of gratitude for that. He blazed the trail, okay? And in terms of what happens when his career will come to an end, I think um, AM radio is dead. I don't think there'll ever be... The reason why we don't know who's the next Beck, who's the next Levin, who's the next... um, rush is because they're not out there syndicating a whole bunch of 35 to 50 year old next generation hosts that are being primed to take over. Why? Because the advertising dollars are not going to be there. Nobody's going to make $200 million or whatever rush was making just because we can't get advertisers, legacy advertisers, you know, like major department stores, people like that. You know, 10 years ago, I think it was General Motors or was it Ford running ads on Rush bragging they didn't take TARP money. They'll never happen in the future. It doesn't happen now. You can't get legacy advertisers in that in those formats now. They just won't do it. They don't want to be boycotted. They don't want to be glitter bombed. Um, You know, a lot of their ad buyers are 38 year old women who don't listen to our format and don't agree with us. So um, it, it. when these guys go away, what will take over will not be more AM radio. It will be what we do here at Blaze TV. That, that's what will take over, I believe. Plus, there's the, the technological evolution as well. And that's why what we do at places here like Blaze TV, we're the ones that are going to end up owning this space. 
Next, Bill says Van Jones has come out during the last week of the election and says publicly that Trump has done good stuff for the black community, that there's a side to Trump that he doesn't get enough credit for. Jones goes on to list Trump's accomplishments. Jones continues and details how he observed Trump treat African-American people well in the White House and that Trump even embraced formerly incarcerated individuals. Several days later, Charlemagne the God, who Biden uh, absurdly accused him of not being black if he didn't vote for him has come out and said some blacks support trump because he's actually talking to them okay is there a question that he wants to ask about that to see if i cut off the uh, there's one sentence on the end it just says like how do you analyze what does it mean what what it means i first of all van jones i think is a conscientious guy now he's a communist okay but i think he's actually a conscientious individual like i think he's a critical thinker to some degree okay i i like, I think he's, he strives for, I've been on panels with him on CNN. I think he strives for some level of intellectual honesty. I don't believe Van Jones is a hack. Meaning, I don't think he is intentionally spewing uh, uh, propaganda. I just think he believes a different religion than I do. Does that make sense? Yes. But I think he's a fairly honest broker from an intellectual honesty standpoint. I don't know anything about Charlemagne the God. The first time I heard the name was when Joe Biden told him he ain't black. I didn't, I never heard the word or that the name until that. So I can't speak to him, but in general, I I remember a monologue Tavis Smiley gave on BET many, many years ago about, uh, comparing black voters with white evangelicals in the Republican party. You guys neither, why do we vote so loyally with these people and get nothing in return and give Trump credit? He has made more of an effort. He's made a hundred times more of a sincere effort even with things I don't agree with, but to reach the black community than any major Republican figure in my entire lifetime. And it's, it's encouraging that he is making some headway there. If for no other reason that it shows that maybe that maybe, you know, there's a way to still reach people that we actually have a lot more in common with when you get beyond the partisan divide that we have a lot more in common with than a lot of the, frankly, it, people like us have a lot more in common probably in the way we view the world and how to raise our kids than people listening to Charlemagne the God than probably a lot of our neighbors in our lily white suburbs to be brutally honest with yeah. you. So um, if maybe there's some encouragement there. Matthew Hall is our final question. In the election results in a Trump, if the election results in a Trump win, do you see any major shakeups within the face of the Democrat Party? Will Pelosi lose her current power? Will the party shift even more to the left, embracing others like AOC? This is a great question. And this is one of the one of the things I think that's important in this election. I don't think there's any way you're seeing the Democratic Party move move right on on anything. Never happening. They have completely given themselves over to the spirit of the age. They are the vehicle of the spirit of the age. They're its proxy. It's platform. So what that means, therefore, is they're going to probably need, even with all the the media advantages they have, they're going to need candidates as talented and charismatic as Barack Obama to win moving forward. If they can't pull this one off. And I look at their bench and I don't see who that is right now. So you could, this could be a setback for a cycle or two if they're defeated this November. Because they're going to need, they're going to need 
excellent messengers because they're outside the mainstream of most of America on most of the issues. So they really need this. It, it, the, the old axiom I've said for years, when elections are about issues, Republicans win. When they're about personalities, Democrats win. That's going to be even more true in the, in the, if, if, if Democrats lose in November next week. They really need these guys to be rock stars now because they're just that far outside the mainstream on every issue. And this isn't a party right now that has a lot of rock stars. I mean, Gavin Newsom's about three minutes away from going to court with Walt Disney. They don't have a lot of rock stars right now. Andrew Cuomo is getting discredited by the Associated Press. They're on the same team, guys. So that's, and, and, and here's the thing. If Biden wins, then a bunch of people who couldn't win an election if their face was on the ballot, are now going to get to run the country as if it was. That's something else to keep in mind. Biden is a Trojan horse. They wheel him through the city gate. You let him in. It's Uncle Joe. He's friendly. Close the gate behind him, and then they open the door, and out come the radicals. That's the plan. A whole bunch of radicals that could not win a national election if it was their face and their brand on the ballot. You know, we do a lot of cool and fun things for our pets these days. One of the things we need to make sure we do, though, uh, provide them the proper nutrients. That's where Rough Greens comes in because a lot of the foods we pay we pay for at the store and, and get for our pets these days, stripped of a lot of those nutrients and vitamins, minerals, uh, antioxidants, pre, probiotics, so that they'll have a long shelf life at the store. They won't spoil. That's why we as humans buy so many supplements today. It's why your dog could use a, a good supplement, and that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's not a new dog food. It's a premium dog food supplement. You sprinkle it in with the food your pet already loves. And apparently they're going to love it more because that's what happens with our dog cap. But it comes with all the cool stuff your dog needs too. And they want to make this as easy as possible for you to see if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less with Rough Grain. So they offer you the Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95. Start the process for just $14.95, less than 15 bucks to see if this doesn't do a big thing in helping your dog's quality of life. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. R-U-F-F is how it is spelled for roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's going to do it for today's show. We're going to stick around and debate the proposition uh, that I entered into about the best case scenarios for conservatives in this election. We will do that in the overtime today. For the rest of you, have a great day. See you tomorrow here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.